From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. This is it, the WIA National News for week commencing September 22, 2013. Bluesat. Last week here on VK1 WIA, we featured the Bluesat project being developed by University of New South Wales students. The world of microsatellites is booming in Australia with news of another currently under construction. But first, BlueSat, our own satellite, is a 260mm cube weighing around 13 kilograms. will carry a flight computer with transmissions to include a beacon and amateur packet radio in mode J, VHF-UHF configuration. Magnets will passively stabilise the satellite and align it with the Earth's magnetic field, and it will be controlled via dedicated communications ground station, Paul Sign, Victor Kilo 2 UNS, at the University of New South Wales. It's equipped with a Yaesu FT-847. It is hoped BlueSat will be placed in circular orbit at an altitude of around 750 kilometres, and that'll take it over the poles. At this altitude, the satellite will travel around the Earth at a rate of once every 90 minutes. Once in orbit, BlueSat will be a digital amateur radio satellite, which means that voice and data files can be uploaded to it by any amateur radio operator in the world over which the satellite passes. Now, the other microsatellite being built is called Ardasat. It's effectively a programmable orbiting satellite based on the Arduino microcontroller. People will be able to upload Arduino programs or sketches to the bird with up to 16 running simultaneously. This satellite is a 10 centimetre cube. Arduino expert and author Jonathan Victor Kilo 3 FADO has been involved in developing two crowd-funded satellites, including Ardasat. Last week he gave a talk to the Melbourne-connected community Hackerspace and as captured on Dave Jones' EEV blog, you'll be able to see all about it when you read the link after you've gone to wia.org.au. Hey, are you holding an old mobile phone in your shack? Well, if you are... You're not alone. Sydney Morning Herald say there are about 23 million, that's right, 23 million unused mobile phones in Australia. And environmental experts are warning the burgeoning number of obsolete phones will get worse as upgraded smartphones are released. These devices are just accumulating right across the country in Australian households, said Ruth Lane, Senior Lecturer in Environmental Science at Monash. Everybody has one in the bottom drawer and they're a bit uncomfortable about what to do with them. Ms Lane, who has a PhD in environmental science, said people found it hard to throw out their old phones if they'd upgraded to a new model and the old device was still working. Now, something that's not working is a Kilburn man's CB radio. Yes, this Adelaide man has been charged with five offences under the Radio Communications Act 1992 after an investigation by the Australian Communications and Media Authority. A person operating a CB station must not operate the station in a way that would be likely to cause a reasonable person to be seriously alarmed or seriously affronted or operate the station for the purpose of harassing a person. The Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions has charged the defendant with the following offences. Operation of a radio communication device otherwise than as authorised by a licence. Possession of radio communication devices for the purpose of operation otherwise than as authorised by a licence and reckless conduct resulting in substantial disruption and disturbance of radio communication. The defendant appeared at the Adelaide Magistrates Court Friday in relation to these charges. Power use meters may warn of an emergency. New home energy displays via smart meters instantly detail consumption and charges 
and they're saving Victorians money. This on the soon-to-be-available flexible electricity tariffs, but the devices are also being trialled as a warning tool. The fridge magnet-sized device using the same wireless infrastructure can also give the fire danger rating for three days, the temperature, a local forecast and limited messages such as a heat health alert on hot days. Victoria's compulsory 2.3 billion smart meter rollout is nearing completion. The emergency warning element is still being trialled but results so far have been very promising. Do we meet the technology definition? It surrounds us, often taken for granted. One definition of technology is that it's a branch of knowledge dealing with the creation, use, interrelation with life, society and the environment. Hey, that's really what modern and diverse amateur radio is all about. One important thing is that the hobby is now easily accessible. It enables people from all walks of life to be involved, enjoying a lifetime of learning, meeting new friends and to be part of a worldwide community. The Wireless Institute of Australia strongly believes in modern amateur radio promotion, the recruitment of newcomers and lapsed radio amateurs. The community should know we exist, understand and appreciate our activities. Many of them would give it a go if they knew more and received a little encouragement. The WIA has called for affiliated clubs, organisation and groups of members to be involved in the PR for Amateur Radio Expo. This to be held across Australia April 13 to 15. Early details of the expo have been issued and some material can be read via the What's On panel on the wia.org.au website. And this will certainly be updated constantly. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Whipping around in VK2. No real challenge or achievement out of pressing the PTT button? Well, why not learn a new old skill and get more satisfaction? Learn the Morse code and use it around the world. Summerland Amateur Radio Club is starting a CW for Beginners class September 29 to be held at their Lismore Club Rooms each Sunday 11 to noon. You will eventually need your own key, but initially all you need is a pencil and pad, and a DVD is available for those who wish to study at home, as will a series of web-based classes also. If you are interested, contact Frank, Victor Kilo 2, FRNK. He has an email address, it's vk2frnk at bigpond.com. We should also remind Frank he should be getting a WIA email address. For all WIA members, they are free. Just email webmaster at wia.org.au. We'll give you a free email address and then forever and a day, you will. if you change your ISP, you don't have to let all your friends know because all you do is let the WIA know. All emails go to that one address forever and ever. Amen. VK3, upgrade to a standard licence. Do you live in the Greater Melbourne area and know somebody, a relative, friend or workmate that could upgrade from their current foundation licence? Please give some encouragement by telling them about the upcoming standard bridging course. It's held Wednesday evenings at Ashburton and begins soon. For details, please contact Barry Robinson, Victor Kilo 3, Papa Victor, or check out the information on the Get Your Licence section of the Amateur Radio Victoria website. Foundation Course Roundup. Saturday the 14th of September, the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club Education Group completed assessments from their previous weekend foundation course. They had two candidates to complete the practical and an extra candidate to do his advanced regs and theory assessment. 
Congratulations go to Guy and Jake for completing their foundation licence and to John for completing his advanced. CRARC will look out for you all on the air. Now, Guy and Jake are part of a bunch of friends who style themselves the Four Amigos. They're four-wheel drive enthusiasts. They completed the foundation licence course together in preparation for a planned trip to Fraser Island in the near future. So in VK4, if all of a sudden you hear a group of VK1 calls, they're only visitors and new fellow amateurs. Cradle Coast Amateur Radio Club conducted exams in Devonport for three candidates. This was last weekend and all passed. Matt and Carl passed the foundation. Matt has applied for the call sign Victor Kilo 7 Fox Mike Charlie Romeo. And Carl has applied for the call sign VK7 Fish. Also, Kevin, VK7FKEV, has successfully completed the standard advanced regs and is now commencing study for the standard theory exam. When you hear these call signs on air, give them a call and congratulate them on their efforts. Over last weekend, a special foundation course was held under the sponsorship of the Australian Ladies Amateur Radio Association, a YL-only foundation course. Gene Fisher, Victor Kilo 3 VIP, the President and State Rep, VK3 for Alara, thinks that this might be a first for such a course. The result was very pleasing with all six candidates obtaining passing grades. So listen out for Amanda, Judy, Donna, Catherine, Cheryl and Julie and give them a big welcome to Amateur Radio. The training course was conducted in the boardroom of a local company which made the facility available at no cost and the ladies were pampered throughout the day with lunch provided free. A specially designed training package was used which makes extensive use of graphics and videos and Alara hope to be able to offer this course to any club or group if your club has six or more whales who'd like to get their foundation licence then drop a line to Jean. Jean's the president of Alara. Her email address vk3vip at wia.org.au From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. International News with thanks to IARU, RSGB, SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, ARRL, Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART, AR Victoria and the worldwide sources of the WIA. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Silent Key, Wayne Green II, Whiskey 2 November, Sierra Delta, Stroke 1, founder of 7-3, Bite and a host of other magazines, passed away on September 13, 2013, age 91. He was formerly editor of CQ magazine before he went on to found 7-3, Micro, Byte, CD Review, Cold Fusion, Killerboard Microcomputing, Run, Insider and Pico, as well as publishing books and running a software company. Wayne was always into the latest groundbreaking amateur radio technology and his magazine reflected that with articles on RITI, ATV, SSTV, FM repeaters and amateur radio satellites. A popular part of 7.3 magazine was Wayne Green W2NSD's Never Say Die column. In it, he gave his views on just about everything. The Amsterdam de-expedition team's progress continues unabated. Ralph K0IR says essentially all the team's equipment is now in hand and at the Atlanta staging area or undergoing final testing in preparation for shipment to Atlanta. Gear will soon be sorted into contents bound for the Mantaf operating location and the Antonelli operating location. Check the website details at amsterdamdx.org slash ft5zm operating sites. 
There will be no guesswork about what piece of equipment goes to which site when they land. Efficiency means more time on the air and more QSOs. The berth and fuel for the ship has been reserved at Fremantle, Australia, and a New Zealand customs agent has been retained. As they say in the classics, stay tuned for more details. Stanford solar scientists solve one of the sun's mysteries. Solar scientists at Stanford University in California have solved one of the few remaining fundamental mysteries of how the sun works, and it's something that hams will want to know about as it does affect propagation. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD, has the details. According to researchers, the mechanism in question is known as meridional flow and is said to work something like a conveyor belt. Magnetic plasma migrates on the sun's surface from the equator to the poles. It then cycles into the sun's interior on its way back to the equator. The rate and depth beneath the surface of the sun at which this process occurs is critical for predicting the sun's magnetic and flare activity, but has remained largely unknown until now. To find out how it actually worked, researchers used the Stanford-operated Helioseismic and Magnetic Imager, or HMI, instrument aboard NASA's Solar Dynamic Observatory to track solar waves in much the same way seismologists would study seismic movements beneath the surface of the Earth. Every 45 seconds for the past two years, the HMI's Doppler radar recorded images of plasma waves moving across the sun's surface, which were then radioed back to Earth. By identifying patterns of sets of waves, the scientists could recognize how the solar materials move from the sun's equator towards the poles and how they return to the equator through the sun's interior. One startling discovery is that the equatorward flow is actually sandwiched between two layers of poleward flowing currents. This is a more complicated mechanism than previously thought. It's also one that could help refine predictions of the sun's activity. For example, some computer-based models projected that the current solar cycle would be strong, but observations have since showed that it is much weaker than previous cycle. This inconsistency would be due to the previously unknown inaccuracies of the meridional circulation mechanism used in the simulations. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Heather Emby, KB3TZD in Berwick, Pennsylvania. You're listening to WIA National News on most amateur bands throughout New South Wales from VK2WI Sydney and affiliate relay stations. For details of frequencies, visit www.arnsw.org.au. Operational news on Felix VK4FUQ, Dateline 2013. CQ Worldwide DXSSB contest on October 26th and 27th. WIA Spring VHF UHF Field Day, weekend of November 23, 24. 2014. WIA Summer VHF UHF Field Day, 11-12 January, to be confirmed. WIA VK Harry Angel Memorial Sprint, May 3. 10-10 International Summer Contest, August 2 and 3. WIA Remembrance Day, the RD Contest, August 16 and 17. Special event stations, DX and Beacon and Net Advice. Trip to Activate Parks, a winner. In a recent tour to Activate Six Parks, Tony Hambling VK3 VTH operated portable, working 168 stations in Ned Spark, New Winters and Award Chasing. Working from Victorian and South Australian parks, he described the activity as very good and comparable to his early adventures. Many stations were waiting on 7.100 MHz as VK3 VTH appeared. In Victoria he was at Little Desert, Wiperfeld, 
Murray Sunset and the Grampians under the Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award. Crossing into South Australia, he was eagerly greeted when activating Pipinga and Kante under the new VK5 National Parks and Conservation Parks Award. Adding greatly to the interest at the time, Paul Simmons, VK5 PAS, and Morris Stores, VK5 BJE, were at VK3 Parks and engaged in summits on the air activity. One radio amateur who is retired described the activity as the best he has heard for years and was now rejuvenated as an award chaser. Several foundation licensees were also chasing awards, claiming that the activity gave them a purpose to be on air. The VK5 National and Conservation Parks Award celebrates its six-month anniversary, with a special activation weekend Saturday 19 and Sunday the 20th of October 2013. In its short history, the award has become very popular with over 70 South Australian national parks and conservation parks being activated, and more on this activity as it draws closer. Bill Moore, NC1L, the ARRL Awards Branch Manager, reports that the current JY9FC operation beginning this past August has been approved for DXCC credit. If you have a card for that operation, now is the time to submit it. DJ Sibonacci will be active stroke FR from Reunion Island between September the 28th and November the 2nd. His operation will be on 160 through 10 metres using CW and SSB. QSL via DJ7RJ, direct or by the Bureau. Intruder Watch, Enforcement Zone. Intruders on VK7RBH or VK7RIN. Last month there's been an older and younger male voice heard on either repeat of VK7RBH or VK7RIN. They are only on for a very short time at around tea time and appear out of the blue. The signal into the repeater they are using is 5-9 so they appear to be in close range of the repeater. If you hear them, please take note of the date, time and nature of the conversation and, if possible, record the exchange. This could be referred to the ACMA for investigation at a later stage. Portugal takes action against illegal radio communications. Jose San Francisco, CT4AN, Rep National MS Coordinator, reports that the Portuguese National Regulator has taken action against illegal radio communications. It's the second time ANACOM and the Portuguese Maritime Police act over illegal communications and interferences. The Portuguese Maritime Police, a branch of the Portuguese Navy, and the Communications Authority, ICP ANACOM, made a control operation which resulted in confiscations on radio equipments and heavy fines to 10 operators. The raids were made on 28 vessels and 29 harboured stations, both on sea, inland and in waterways. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. From the WIA News Hub in Melbourne and WIA News Studios across Australia... This is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Hello, I'm Robert, VK3DN, and this week, ahead of the Special Interest Group News, it's to the Q News Workbench. Homebrewers stock up junk boxes.
Despite the federal election coinciding with the date of the last Homebrew Construction Group meeting, a healthy representation assembled at the Amateur Radio Victoria rooms for September's meeting. As well as the usual technical discussion, members were also able to add to their spare parts reserves or junk boxes, thanks to a very generous donation. This should produce a number of interesting projects based on the new and vintage components offered. And the next meeting is on Saturday, October the 5th at 2pm 40G Victory Boulevard, Ashburton. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. Radio Amateur in Crew Increment headed to the ISS in late September. NASA astronaut Mike Hopkins, KF5LJG, with two Russian cosmonauts are scheduled to launch aboard a Soyuz spacecraft on September the 25th to join their Expedition 37 crewmates aboard the International Space Station. KF5LJG will be the first member of the 2009 NASA astronaut class to fly into space. While he's aboard the ISS, Hopkins will also install the amateur radio on the International Space Station, or ARIS, the ARIS ham video gear. He received special pre-flight training on how to commission the amateur radio digital video equipment very recently. And there's been a fair amount of news on Voyager and the mainstream press, but here's a little bit of background. Voyager 1 and its twin, Voyager 2, were launched 16 days apart in 1977. Both spacecraft flew by Jupiter and Saturn. Voyager 2 also flew via Uranus and Neptune. Voyager 2 launched before Voyager 1 and is the longest continuously operated spacecraft. It is about 15 billion kilometres away from our Sun. Voyager mission controllers still talk to and receive data from Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 every day, though the emitted signals are currently very dim at about 23 watts the power of a refrigerator-like globe. By the time the signals get to Earth, they're a fraction of a billion billionth of a watt. Data from Voyager 1's instruments are transmitted to Earth, typically at 160 bits per second, and captured by 34 or 70 metre NASA deep space network stations. Travelling at the speed of light, a signal from Voyager 1 takes about 17 hours to travel to Earth. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, QRP and Weak Signal Communications. On the weekend of the 14th and 15th of September, MF officiados gathered on the new 630-metre MF band for 72 to 479 kilohertz for a weekend of whisper activity. For those not familiar with the Weak Signal Propagation Reporting software, it allows one with a minimal setup to receive signals that were more than 30 dB below the noise floor and undetectable by the human ear. The reports displayed on a screen showing date, time, call sign, frequency, SNR grid, location, distance, etc. gives an accurate indication of propagation conditions. Peter VK4QC reports. Preparation for the event began a weeks ago with transmitter-receiver testing, antenna construction, improvements, last-minute modifications and tuning adjustments to squeeze out the most from the system. Reports came in of lightning strikes and antennas blown down in storms requiring hasty repairs, all part of the fun. Because there are very few off-the-shelf transceivers around for the low bands, much homebrewing is done to get on air with many and varied solutions. There are also kits available with detailed assembly instructions, and the Yahoo Group Forum is a great place for sharing ideas and helping to solve problems and is also used to coordinate SCADs, frequency and mode changes, etc. 
Most people would be surprised that even from a city block with a 10 metre vertical and suitable coupling unit, a decent signal can be put on air. Reception-wise, the ubiquitous mini-whip active antenna pulls in the weak ones. Of course, they don't compare with a full-size Marconi T and large ground counterpoise, but you can still enjoy the fun. The action started at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Saturday and ended 8 a.m. Monday with more than 30 VK and ZL stations participating in the largest gathering on MF in this part of the world since the band was allocated some 12 months ago. Whisper is transmitted in two-minute cycles and it was exciting to see all the spots popping up on the screen after each cycle. You could see how well or otherwise you were doing in real time. It was amazing to see signals detected at a distance of more than 1,800 kilometers with only 5 watts EIRP. Equipment was battle-tested to see how well it would hold up to 48 hours of continuous operation. There were fade-outs and unfortunately the weather didn't favor the band on Saturday evening due to storms and high static levels. Conditions improved significantly on Sunday and the activity intensified towards the finish line on Monday morning. Everyone agreed it was a great weekend and a unique opportunity to evaluate equipment, make improvements and hopefully achieve better results next time. A big thanks goes to Nick VK2 Delta X-Ray for proposing the activity weekend and encouraging everyone to get off their backsides and get involved. If you would like to be part of the MF Action, please join the Yahoo group 600 meters, that's 600M for Mike, to find out more. This is Peter, VK4 Quebec Charlie, for the National News Service. Thanks, Peter. And from VK4 to VK5 and Summits of the Air, where the VK5 Association of the Summits of the Air SOTA program celebrates its one-year anniversary on the 1st of October this year. SOTA is an award scheme for radio amateurs and shortwave listeners that encourages portable operation in mountainous areas. But don't be put off. SOTA is not just for mountaineers. There is a SOTA peak for everybody, no matter what your level of fitness is. To celebrate the 12-month anniversary, a coordinated activity day will be held on Sunday the 6th of October 2013. It is hoped that as many VK5 operators as possible will get out in the field and activate from the top of a summit. And if you do choose to stay at home, don't forget that SOTA is not just for activators. Chasers are those amateurs who operate from home or even a local park and work activators. So if you do hear an operator atop a hill, give them a call. Already there are a number of hams who have indicated they are going to be climbing a summit on the day. This includes at least one interstate operator who will be visiting South Australia. For more information on SOTA and what summits qualify, please have a look at the SOTA website at www.sota.org.uk. Should you have any queries, please contact either Ian, VK5CZ, or Paul, VK5PAS. Again, the date is Sunday, the 6th of October, 2013. Thanks for listening. I'm Paul, VK5PAPA Alpha Sierra. Worldwide special interest groups, VHF and above.
Interested in the microwave bands? Want to dust off or tune up your gear before the spring VHF UHF field days? Need some help finishing off that project on the bench? Curious of the higher bands but don't know where to start? Then this is the event for you. The Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club is hosting the VK3 Microwave Test and Tune Day. It's on Sunday, 10th of November from 10am at the Club Rooms, McCubbin Street, Burwood. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting for WIA National News. That takes us to the end of WIA National News. We normally wrap up with the social scene and how much more social can we get than sharing it around the world. Have a good listen to this. On Tuesday the 24th at 10.18 UTC, that's 10.18 UTC on the knocker, VK5ZAI Tony is scheduled to handle a telebridge link-up between a school of media studies in Italy and the International Space Station. Luca, KF5KDP, will be the astronaut taking the questions and the language will be in Italian. On Saturday the 28th of September... 8.39 UTC, VK5ZAI is scheduled to handle a telebridge link-up between a college in France and the ISS. Again, Luca, KF5KDP will be the astronaut taking the questions and this time the language used is expected to be English. Now here in VK, you should be able to hear both these downlinks from the ISS if you are within the ISS footprint over Central Australia. The downlink... 145.8. So that's Tuesday the 24th at 10.18 UTC and Saturday the 28th of September at 8.39 UTC. And finally, for the month of September, September 27 to 29 in VK6, it's the Harg Spring RF Campout at Bald Hill Campground, Avon Valley. Avon calling, September 27-29. Till we next meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.